want to thank you so much for being here with us today, whether you're here at our Newburgh campus, you're at our West campus, or following along with us online. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Ross. I'm the high school pastor here at our Newburgh campus, and I'm so thrilled to be here with you today as we're kicking off a brand new series called A Son is Given. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 4 is where we're going to go today. And while you're turning there, i got to remind you that Christmas is just around the corner, everybody. And we're so excited about our services happening this Christmas season. We actually have two um, taking place on December 23rd here at our Newburgh campus and at our West campus. And then the times for our Christmas Eve services, it's the same service, just the different day, December 24th at 2 and 4 p.m. here at our Newburgh campus. We want you to be able to join us for those, but we're also extending a challenge to our church family this year that you just didn't, wouldn't attend a Christmas service, but you would also jump in and be a part of serving at our Christmas services this year. We're asking that everyone, everyone would serve one and sit one. Serve one and sit one. We need people that are out in the parking lots helping people from their cars to the door. We need ushers. We need greeters. We need people helping out in the kids ministry as well. And we would love for you to join and serve with us this Christmas. If you'd like to do that, all you need to do is go to cccgo.com slash Christmas to go and sign up. And so we'll hope you will do that. Now, uh, like I said, we're starting a brand new series today called A Son is Given. And uh, I'm really excited about this series. In this series, we're talking really about the family tree of Jesus, all the people that even that came before him. And uh, some of them you'll discover are kings and queens. Some of them are even prostitutes and crooks, right? It doesn't matter really who the person was. There's one common thread throughout the lineage of Jesus, though, and, and it's this fact that God works through broken people. God works through people who don't have it Altogether. And we'll discover that today as we examine uh, what the Bible calls is our, really our father of the faith, this man by the name of Abraham. Really, the story of Abraham takes place back in Genesis, but we're going to be reading out of Romans 4 today, which really kind of paraphrases the entire story of Abraham's life. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 4, starting in verse 18. It says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, I like this part, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb, his wife, was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. That God had the power to do what he had promised. Today, I simply just want to talk to you from this idea, and the sermon title is this, The Problem with the Promise. The Problem with the promise. Come on, would you pray with me as we jump into this message today? Lord, we are so thankful for you. We are so thankful for your promises. God, we just pray and ask that you would speak to our hearts, speak to our minds today. And whether we're here at our Newburg campus, at our West campus, or watching online, God, that we would leave better than we came in today. Lord, would you help me to communicate your word clearly and effectively? It's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, 
Come on, y'all got to wake up this morning. I said, and everybody said, amen. amen. I mean, uh, I want to ask you a question today. How many of you love receiving packages in the mail or to your doorstep? I, I think there's a lot of people here at our Newburgh campus. I don't know what it is about it. I love receiving packages in the mail, right? I don't know what it is. There's just, it's something exciting about it. And around this season of our lives, my wife and I, we are, are, are very big online shoppers. And so we're shopping for gifts for other people, gifts for each other. And it seems as though every single day, something new is coming to our doorstep. Now, I love just waiting on the package to be delivered, right? I can remember a time where I was really anxious for a, a package to be delivered to my doorstep. And it was um, a few years back when I was ordering a new phone in the mail. The reason why I was so anxious to receive a new phone is because I had to go a few days without my phone. How many of you have ever had to go a few days without your phone before? I don't know about you. I almost lost my salvation in those couple of days. I, um, it's hard to live life nowadays in 2018, especially without a cell phone. But I, I can remember I was so anxious to receive the new phone because I didn't have one because the phone that I had, I, I dropped it. I should be a little bit more clear. I, I, um, I dropped it in water. Okay, I should confess, I dropped it in the toilet. I, uh, I, I, I have to confess to you today, I have to admit that I am... I'm, 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 a, um, I'm, I'm a toilet texter. Some of you look really spiritual in here right now judging me, okay? But don't act like you don't do this too, okay? I'm a, I'm a toilet texter. And I, I remember I was, um, uh, yeah. And I was texting, right? And I'm, I don't know how it happened. I'm, I'm texting, you know, doing my thing, texting. And somehow the, 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 the cellular device, it, it, it slipped out of my hand and uh, it fell into, into the water, right? And, uh, and real quick in that moment, you have a split second to decide how much you love that phone, right? I decided I didn't love it all that much. And uh, the phone was absolutely destroyed, right? I mean, it was, it was useless. And so I remember I'm, I'm, a, I'm a true Christ follower uh, because I use Apple products. Uh, any iPhone people in the house? iPhone people, okay. What about Samsung users? Any Samsung people, all right. Blackberry, anyone? Crickets. There's a CEO in the back who's like, woohoo. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm an Apple user, so I went to the Apple store, right? And I go to the Genius Bar, I'm talking to the guy, and he says, listen, I'm gonna have to use, I'm gonna have to order you a new phone for you to use. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, he gives me a tracking number and I'm anxiously, I go home and I'm, I type on the computer, the website, I, I copy and paste the tracking number into the website and I click enter. And I never forget what it tells me. It tells me that my shipment, my package is in transit which made me know that I didn't have it yet, but I could trust that it was on the way. And if we could just go ahead and jump right into it this morning. I don't know really what you brought in here today, but I have to believe that there are some people that your marriage is struggling. Maybe you're struggling because your kids are running and they're far from God yet they're always on your mind. Maybe you have an illness. Maybe you have a sickness in your body today. Maybe your heart is wounded and you've been waiting for a breakthrough. You are in desperate need of a miracle. 
Maybe some of you in here today would say, you know what, I've been coming to church for a while. I've been trying to do the Christian thing, but the truth is it just seems as though it's not working out. It feels like God has overlooked me, that he's just passed me by, that he's forgotten me. I've been waiting for a breakthrough for a very long time. I just wanna encourage somebody today that your breakthrough, your miracle is simply just in transit. You may not have it yet, but you can trust that it is on the way. You're a Dress has not been lost. Heaven knows where your doorstep is. God sees you where you are. And you can trust that we serve a God who is simply on the way. Come on, can anybody agree with me this morning that our God is in transit? He's in, he's in transit. As we look at Romans chapter four, again, it's just a, a paraphrase of the whole story of Abraham. And, uh, and this is what it says. It, it basically lets us know that Abraham, he's given a promise from God. The Bible says that he's gonna be the father of many nations. Yet, there's a problem with this promise. And the problem is quite frankly, that Abraham is old. So is his wife, Sarah. How many of you know it's gonna be difficult to be a father of many nations at the age of 75, which is how old Abraham was when he received the promise. But I love what Romans chapter four, verse 19 says. It says that Abraham faced the fact that he was as good as dead. I love how many of us, we, we love hearing the promises of God, yet when we face the facts, it deters us from the promise he gave us. And so many of us, we try to believe in the promises of God despite the facts that we see. But what if I told you today that there are some facts to consider that may point us to the promises of God? What if I told you that there are actual facts that you can see, that you can know about today that will point you back to the promises of God? Today I have three points in this message, three facts really that we should consider to point us back to the promises of God. Number one is this, the first fact we must face is the natural, is the natural. Sometimes the problem with the promise is the natural, isn't it? Again, Abraham is 75 years old when the promise is given to him. At a time where most people should be thinking about retirement, putting their feet up, tapping into their 401k, but instead God taps on Abraham's shoulders and says, I'm about to put you on mission. I'm about to bless you beyond your wildest dreams. Yet again, the problem is Abraham's old, Sarah is old, and by the way, they don't have any children. How many of you know it's gonna be, a, it's gonna be hard to be a father of many nations if you are a father of none? <laughs> they have no kids, yet the word father is used. Sarah, later on in life, she hears about this promise of God. She actually overhears Abraham talking about it. And what does Sarah do? Sarah, his wife, she laughs. <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious. And, and I'll let you fill in the blank as to why Sarah is laughing, okay? But either way, Abraham should be offended. <laughs> it's almost as if Sarah is saying, look, I don't know who you think you are, okay? God or whatever, but you see me? You see how old I am? You see him? You see how old he is? Uh-uh, ain't happening. That ship sailed long ago. It ain't happening. Uh-uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm -mm. 
you know? She laughs, and it's easy to assume, like Sarah does, that maybe if Abraham is believing in this problem, or in this promise, that he actually has lost it. Like, he is insane. But I would argue that maybe Abraham is not insane, he's just in tune with the promise that God gave him. So many of us were willing to give up on a word from God simply because we heard a word from man. Hear me today, if they didn't give you the promise, don't let them talk against your promise. If they didn't give you the dream, don't let them talk down to your dream. If they didn't give you the vision, guess what? It's not their vision to speak to. So many of us, we give up. Why? Because, not because of what God said, because of what our friends said, because of what somebody else said to us. Let me tell you something about the promises of God. I believe that when people hear about the promises of God on your life, they will laugh. In fact, I believe that they ought to laugh. Why? Because the promises of God should be so big, so huge, so ridiculous on your life that when people hear about them and when they see God starting to fulfill promises in your life, it should point them back to him. They ought to be able to look at your life and see how God is blessing you, see how God is moving through your life and go, wait a second, I know him personally. He's not that good. I know her. She's not that talented. This is more than just coincidence. This is more than just chance. There's gotta be more at play here. And then that gives you the opportunity to say, you know what, you're right. I'm not that good. I'm not that talented. I don't have it all together. I just serve the God who does. He can work through me. He can work through you as well. If you grew up in church like I did and you know how the story of Abraham and Sarah ends, you know that it ends, spoiler alert, it ends well for them. Things go good. And so you may think, well, Ross, I know how the story ends. It's great that everything worked out for them, that their life was so perfect. But actually, their life was anything but perfect and they were anything but perfect. What happens is they receive the promise that they are going to be the family of nations, right? That, that Abraham is gonna be the father of many nations. So what happens though in their waiting is they get tired of waiting and they try to speed up the process. They keep thinking, how are we gonna be parents of the nation if we don't even have any kids? You know what? Sarah comes up with this idea. She goes, you know what, Abe? Why don't you sleep with our maid? That way she can give us a child and we can make it work like that. What do they do? They try to expedite the process. They try to take a shortcut. How many of you know sometimes instead of just hoping, we try helping and our helping doesn't help, it actually hurts. They try to speed up the process like many of us do, don't we? Because we love the idea of the promise, but we don't like the process. We love the idea of getting that win, but man, we hate waiting. We want to get to the destination, but we can't stand those delays. Hear me though, just because you are delayed does not mean you are denied. Just because you are in a waiting season, it doesn't have to be a wasted season. And maybe, just maybe, through the process, you'll find there was a purpose. It's too late to give up. It's always too late to throw in the towel. Why? Because you weren't the one who started it. If the promise came from God, guess what? He's responsible for it. My brother and I, growing up, we were always getting into fights, right? My brother's eight years older than me, so our fights were usually him beating me up. 
And, uh, and oftentimes I'd go running, screaming, crying to my mom and, you know, telling on my brother. And she would go back into our room. She'd sit us both down on the bed and she'd look at us both in our eyes and ask the questions that all moms have asked. Who started it? Me and my brother, we would instantly get very nervous because we knew that whoever started it was responsible for it. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. If he started it, guess what? He's responsible for it. The Bible says that he is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. You can best believe if he started a work in you, he intends to bring it to completion. If you didn't start it, you're not responsible for it. He is. So you can trust that he knows what he's doing, that he's still writing your story. Well, everything's not okay right now, Ross. Well, guess what? Everything's not over right now either. He's still working. He's still moving. He's still got a plan. His promise is the same. Don't give up on him because he hasn't given up on you. So many times we try to take the shortcut because we get tired of waiting. Our God is patient. And maybe you're waiting for a reason. You may say, well, Ross, you don't know my family situation right now. I mean, we're barely hanging on, man. We're struggling financially. This is, this is rough for us. Christmas is supposed to be the happiest time, but it's not for us. Like, you don't know what the doctor said about my condition. No, I don't know, but I know that this is what prayer is. Prayer is saying, I see what's going on in the natural. I know what I'm going through. These are the facts I must face. Yet, as just much as I believe in the natural, I believe in another fact. That at any moment, my God can intervene. At any moment, my God can turn this thing around. At any moment, my God can shake this thing up. Which brings me to point number two of my message this morning. And it's this, just as much as we believe in the natural, there's another fact, and it's the supernatural. The fact of the supernatural. I gotta believe for Abraham and Sarah, it was tough to believe in the supernatural. It's why they tried to intervene themselves. But even through their striving, God doesn't give up on them. I'm so thankful that we serve a God who doesn't give up on us. In Genesis, there's only a few chapters that pass from the time that Abraham is given the promise to the time that the promise is actually fulfilled till their son comes. Only a few chapters. Yet those chapters actually represent decades of Abraham's life. Decades. When they finally found out that Sarah is pregnant and she's gonna have a baby, Abraham is 99 years old. Some of us were upset because we prayed once last week and God hasn't answered it. And we're like, God, why have you forsaken me like that and stuff, right? You waited a week, try waiting 25 years. He waited 25 years for the promise to be fulfilled. And finally, their son is born, baby Isaac comes into the world. Can you imagine the joy in that home? After waiting for decades for this promise to be fulfilled, after waiting so long, it's not too much longer, a few years pass and God speaks to Abraham again as if Abraham, I, I can just imagine Abraham's excitement. He hears from God again. Oh God, it's you again. That's right, Abraham. 
Do you believe that I fulfilled the promise? Yes, I do, God. Do you love your son, Abraham? Yes, I do, God. Do you love me, Abraham? Yes, I do. Okay, I need you to take your son and kill him. What? This is what happens. God speaks to Abraham once again a few years later and says, your son that I promised you, I want you to take him up on a mountaintop and I want you to sacrifice him. Can you imagine what's going through Abraham's mind? Wait a second, what? God, do you know what I went through? Do you know that I waited decades to hold my baby in my arms? Do you know that we waited decades for you to fulfill this promise and now you're gonna do this? Now it's gotta happen like this, God? But even through, I'm sure, his moments of doubts and questioning, Abraham does what God asks. What I love about Abraham is that he was always more in love with the promise giver than he was the promise himself. So much more in love with the promise giver than he was the promise itself. And so what does he do? He takes his son, Isaac, up to the mountain, and this is what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 17. Again, paraphrasing this whole story, it says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. That should sound familiar. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. Now Abraham is obeying what God told him to do. Now he's about to take on top of this mountain his dagger and run it through his promise. But all of a sudden God stops him and says, Abraham, no, I was testing you. Abraham, look, there in the thicket is a ram. Today that ram will be the sacrifice. It will take your son's place. What a beautiful picture. As Abraham and Isaac were making their way up the mountain, little did they know that a ram was making its way. Or should I say, a ram was in transit to come to the top of the mountain and take Isaac's place. What was God doing? He was pointing our attention to a bigger story to a better story, to a story about you and I, that when you and I deserved death because of the things that we had done wrong, when we were stuck with no way out, little did we know that a son had been given and he was on his way. He was in transit to take on our sin, to take on our shame, to be the sacrifice for us. And Jesus Christ, who is the Lamb of God, was coming to take our place. What a beautiful picture. He was coming to take our place. A son was given for us. You may say that's so dark and twisted. Why was God doing that? He was, he was pointing our attention to a better story that was yet to come, that was simply in transit. It's just as much as you and I need to believe and need to face the facts of the natural when we're faced with a promise. And just as much as we need to believe in the supernatural, there's a third fact that will point us to the promise, the fact of the eternal, the eternal. Doesn't it always seem as though Abraham had an eternal perspective? 
I love Hebrews chapter 11. It's such an amazing passage of scripture. I don't have time to read it all to you today, but if you have time, go home today, maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow morning. Read Hebrews chapter 11. It's an incredible chapter of the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 11, it begins to talk about all these great men and women of the faith, great heroes of the faith, and how they had great faith through very difficult times. Abraham is included in this list of people along with many others in the lineage of Jesus. And what happens actually is it begins to summarize all these people found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. Check out what it says. All these people, all these men and women were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. Catch that. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. What's he saying here? He's saying they had an eternal perspective. This part, they did not receive the things promised. When I read that this week, it jumped off the page at me. And it made me think, wow, maybe, just maybe the things that God promises me, I may not ever see. What I'm going through right now, what you're going through right now may not even be about you. Wow. Honestly, when I think of this verse, it makes me think of our church. You wanna know the reason why our church has been able to flourish for over 50 years now? It's because of great men and women who had an eternal perspective, who did not start a church with the one generation in mind. No, but this church was built to last. It was, meet, it was meant to meet the needs and reach people for generations to come. Please know that just as I stand here on this stage today, you and I, we stand on the foundation set before us by those great men and women who had us in mind when they did it. They had us in mind. May the same be true for you and I. My hope and my prayer is that the life I'm living right now is not just the life for me, that I've been blessed to be a blessing to other people while I live and even after I die, that my legacy lives on after I die, that the foundation that I set now with my faith is good enough foundation for others who come after me to stand on. My hope and prayer is that my kids, my grandkids, your kids, your grandkids would be able to look back at our story and say, you know what? Even when it was difficult, they still held on to the promise of God. Even when they should have given up, even when they should have thrown in the towel, they still held on to the promises of God. Even when it was difficult and everybody else gave up, they didn't. They held tight to the promises of God. Even when the marriage was struggling, even when things were hard financially, even when there was sickness all around and things looked grim, guess what? They held on to the promises of God and it gives them faith to move forward. I think we can look at the story about Abraham and honestly completely miss the point. 
Because again, you can look at the story and go, wow, they had such a happy ending. Like, this is great. They were that old and they still were able to have a son. God fulfilled the promise. Great, that's awesome. But actually, no, a son was not the promise. If you remember, God spoke to Abraham and said, I'm gonna make you the father of many nations. How many of you were like me? You grew up in church singing that very popular song, Father Abraham had many sons. No, he didn't. He had two, and one of them was with somebody who wasn't his wife. He wasn't the father of many nations. In his lifetime, he just had one son with Sarah. Wait a second, God, that wasn't the promise. You promised nations. I had one son with my wife. But as time goes on, what you'll discover is that the promises of God, they live on far past our lifespan. Abraham, he had an eternal perspective. If you follow the lineage of now Abraham's family tree, Abraham has his son named Isaac. Isaac, as he grows up, he becomes a father to a man by the name of Jacob. Jacob is the one who wrestles with God. As time goes on, Jacob actually has 12 sons, one of his sons being this little boy named David that would one day have faith to stand up to a giant that everybody else was scared of, and he would defeat that giant with just a sling and one smooth stone. Eventually, David, that that one incident would propel him into kingship. He would become a great king and King David one day would give as you continue to follow the family tree he would give birth to a son named Solomon him and his wife would have this kid named Solomon who was going to be one of the most wisest kings that ever lived and if you continue down the family tree down the lineage all of a sudden you'll hear about some girl from nowhere this teenager named Mary who an angel speaks to and says Mary you were going to give birth to the savior of the world. People will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You shall call him Jesus. And he will be the son of God. On this day, a son is given. Did they see the nation come to pass? Not with their eyes, but with their eternal perspective. Best believe that God fulfilled the promise. He fulfilled the promise. It makes me think about an old sermon illustration I heard growing up in church. It's one that's been passed down for many generations. And actually, I don't even know if the story is true, but nevertheless, it's a really good story. It's a story about an old widow. This lady, her husband had just passed away and along with his death went her income, her way of life, her everything. In fact, Even if she could leave the house, she couldn't because she was so old, she wasn't able to leave her home. But even if she could, she had no money to pay for food to live off of. And eventually she ran out of food in her home. But being a woman of faith like she was, she began to just pray. But she prayed very specifically. She started to pray her grocery list. Every day she'd wake up and pray the same thing and then she'd open up her cabinets to see if anything appeared and every day the same thing, nothing would happen. So she'd wake up the next day, pray the same grocery list over and over again, her heart's desire. She'd open up the cabinets and see nothing there, continued to pray, but 
as she lived in an apartment building with very thin walls, her next door neighbor, who was not a believer, he was so sick and tired of hearing this lady pray the same thing over and over and over again. He thought all of this was just a bunch of baloney. Like this woman really thinks that food is just gonna show up in her cabinets. This is ridiculous. Sometimes he would even bang on the walls and he would tell her to shut up, to be quiet, to stop all this, but it didn't stop her. She'd wake up the next day, continue to pray the same prayer, that same grocery list every single day. Until one day, her next door neighbor, he decided he was gonna teach her a lesson. And so he listened through the walls and as she began to pray out the grocery list, he was gonna prove to her that all this was just not true. He began to write down every single thing that she was praying out loud on a sheet of paper. That afternoon, he went to the grocery store. He bought every single thing on her list. He had it bagged up. He brought it back over to her doorstep. He left it at her door. He knocks on the door and then ran and hid behind the bushes. The old widow, then she opens up the door and she looks and to her amazement, she's astonished as she sees every single item that she'd been praying for right there at her doorstep. Immediately, she began to praise God, saying, God did it, God did it, God did it. About that time, her neighbor jumps out from behind the bushes and says, no, he didn't. All this isn't true. I'm the one who got the food for you. God didn't do it. She said, God did it, God did it, God did it. He said, ma'am, are you crazy? I'm the one who went to the grocery store. I'm the one who bought all this food. I'm the one who had it bagged up. I'm the one who put it at your doorstep. I'm the one who knocked on your door. She said, nope, God did it, God did it, God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. <laughs> Thinking back on this old story, it reminded me of this. Isn't it so much easier to get your joy back when the cell phone arrives at your doorstep? Isn't it so much better? Isn't it easier to worship God and thank Him when He answers the prayer? So much easier to worship him when the doctor's report comes back negative. So much easier to have faith when you know it's there. But I wonder what would happen today in your family? What would happen today in your marriage, in your relationship, in your private life? What would happen this Christmas season? What would happen even this afternoon if we began to have an eternal perspective and we thanked God like he already did it? What would happen if we could see with the eyes of God and know that we don't have it yet? We can't touch it, we can't feel it, we can't sense it, we don't hold it in our hands, but we said, so what? I believe that my God is on the way. So what? I believe that my promise, my breakthrough is in transit. So what? I believe that God already did it. Come on, is there anybody who can agree with me this morning? If you do, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet all around the room, whether you're here at Newburgh or at our West Campus. We're gonna close out service just a little bit differently this morning. Because like I said at the very start of this message, I believe there are some people that are here today and you walked in with something heavy on your heart. You got something going on in your family. You've got sickness in your body. It's a financial struggle. 
I don't know what it is. But God does. Here are his promises for your life. I have a plan for your life. The plan is to give you a hope and a future. His promise is, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, you saw the natural. Today, believe for the supernatural. And forever, believe in the eternal. I will come through. I will make it come to pass. Keep believing, keep hoping. I'm in control. I started it, I'm responsible for it, and I will finish it. Here's what we're gonna do as we close out service today. Maybe you would say, well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not going through anything. I, I'm good right now, but maybe, maybe the person next to you is. So here's what I'm gonna have you do. Would you, if you can, if at all possible, would you grab the hand of the person next to you? As we close out service today, what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for each other. Because whatever you're going through today, you need to know that you don't have to go through it alone. That God's desire is that we would do this. We would be unified. We would lift each other up. So come on, as I pray today and you're holding the hand of the person next to you, would you begin to pray for them? If you're watching online, we just ask right now, you, you open your hands to receive the promises of God. Come on, pray for yourself, but we'll also pray for our neighbors today. Lord, we are so thankful that you are a God who keeps your promises. Even when we see a problem with the promise, we know that you are still faithful. We know that you are still good. And we're believing for a miracle. We're, we're hoping for a breakthrough. God, help us to see the natural, to see that you're working in the supernatural and to believe for the eternal, to live lives that have an eternal perspective. Lord, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, even if we don't see it, and for what you've yet to do, believing that one day we will see it. It's in your name we pray, amen, amen.